Luke 2 and 25, if you're there, say amen. If you're not, I don't have anything else to say to waste time. So just act like you're there. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout. This is an awesome word right here. This is kind of what we're going to preach on today. Everybody say waiting. waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Everybody say Messiah. And he came by the Spirit. That's what I've been preaching to you the last two Wednesdays. We've got to be led by the Spirit. He came, we could read it like this, he came led by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, Simeon walks over and takes the baby up in his arms and he blessed God. And he said, Lord, now let your servant depart or die in peace according to your words. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. This is so powerful. I, I wish that we could just dig, 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 dig today. But when he said this, the New Testament, of course, is written in Greek. Simeon was a devout man, a Jewish man. And as he, as he said this prayer in the presence of God in the temple, it was more than likely that he was praying in the Hebrew language. And as he raised the baby up, I don't even know if he had, like, we weren't there, so I don't know if he said, hey, what's the baby's name? But like, how do you... Start that conversation when you walk up in the church and just grab somebody's baby and pick it up, you know. I don't know if he said, hey, what's his name or whatever, but this is what we do know. When he picked up the baby and he blessed the Lord, he said, mine eyes have seen thy salvation. In Hebrew, he said, mine eyes have seen Yeshua. Mine eyes have seen your Yeshua. They've seen your salvation. I'm telling you, Simeon knew who he was holding. It had to be an amazing feeling to know that he was holding the one that had held him all his life. Is that powerful this morning? I'm going to preach to you with the help of the Lord today. I'm leaning in. I'm leaning in. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I'm excited to preach to you this morning. It's, uh, it's the time of year that uh, everybody's thinking about the birth of Jesus. And uh, we've talked a lot about it. You know how much I love to study the feast of the Lord and all of the things in the Old Testament. It's, it's more than likely that Jesus was born during the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, during the fall feast. Um, but it's on everybody's mind at this time of year as we talk about the first coming of the Lord, the Messiah that was in the earth. But I want to tell you, the power of this story is the value of holding on to the Word of God. The Word of the Lord tells us that it was revealed to him by the Spirit of God. It was revealed to Simeon by the Spirit of God that he would not see death until he had seen the Messiah. He would not see death until he had seen the Messiah. Now by the time that Simeon comes to the temple, he's an old man. The best that some historians can tell, they believe that he was perhaps in his mid-80s, just an educated guess. That he was an old man. Why is that relevant to us today, Pastor? Because we really don't know how young he was when the Lord spoke to him that he was going to see 
the coming of the Lord. Now, Simeon was waiting on the first coming of the Lord. You and I today are awaiting his return. We're waiting for his return. But the power of what Simeon was doing is that in his waiting, he was holding on to a promise. And I'm going to say this real slow before I ever even break in here and get to preaching because I want this to get right down in your soul, okay? I want, I want this to get right into your soul. Every day that Simeon woke up and there was breath in his body, he knew that he was living because there was purpose within him. If I'm not dead, then God's promise has not been fulfilled yet. Oh, I want that to settle in this room right now. Pastor, I feel like God is done with me. I feel like I have no purpose in my life. No, sir. No, ma'am. You are seated in the house of the Lord today. There is breath in your lungs. Woo! There is oxygen in your body right now. God is not finished with you yet. God's word will not return void. Do you believe that today? Simeon had the faith to believe that if God said you're going to see the Messiah, then he was not going to die until he saw the Messiah. Faith's Hall of Fame, as we call it in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. I love to read through it, and it's powerful to see it. We read of Noah. We read of Abram. We read uh, of Moses, of uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. We read all of these people that were faithful unto the Lord. We read in Faith's Hall of Fame that by faith they obtained, or by faith they received, or by faith they did. But there is also a beautiful little picture in here, a caption that I feel like ought to capture our hearts today. There are stories of the faithful who were able to receive the promise. We know that Abram finally received his baby boy that God had promised him. But listen to this beautiful caption that there were some who died in the faith. Not having received the promise. Do you realize the value of that statement right there? That God gave them a promise and until the day they died, they believed that if God said it, God is going to do it. Hey, I've come to speak to that discouraged soul in this house today that the enemy's been trying to shake your faith. The enemy's been trying to discourage you. The enemy's been trying to make you believe that all hope is gone. There is no hope in sight. Hey, lean in this morning. Lean into the promise of God. If God said it, it's going to be all right. Hallelujah. It's often, it's often difficult to trust God through circumstances that look like the polar opposite, the antithesis of what God said. Evidence is oftentimes discouraging. Evidence are tough. There's a song. I don't remember who originally did it. Uh, I know Brother Stan Cook that's been here several times through the years. Brother Stan Cook recorded it. And uh, the song talks about the difference in facts and truth. It says the facts may be stacked up against you right now. But the truth is. God's on your side. I, I, I don't know who I'm reaching for this morning, but I want to tell somebody facts can change. The facts right now may feel like you're out of control. The facts right now may look like that child is lost. The facts right now may look like that marriage is hopeless. Come on, somebody. The facts right now may look like health is not coming. Facts, facts. And we get hung up in facts. But let me tell you about facts. The facts may be stacked up. The facts may not look like they're in your favor. But when God is on your side. And God is in your favor. (laughs) 
We're told to work as though everything depends on us, but to pray as though everything depends on God. And I, I agree with that sentiment except for the fact that I'm a human being. And it's easy to get weary and well-doing. Well, I know I'm preaching up against it this morning. I feel it in the room. If it wasn't easy to get weary and well-doing, we wouldn't have the promises that we have in the Word of God to be not weary. It doesn't say don't get weary when you're doing dumb stuff. Can I just preach up in here a little bit? I've been praying God would get some folks tired of doing dumb stuff. The late Loretta Johnson told me one day I saw her at Walmart parking lot. You just have to know it. We're so blessed to have two of her sisters in this church. There was nobody like Miss Loretta, I'm just telling you. And uh, she was really kind of a little old lady. But man, she was tough. She raised all them boys. I don't know how many times I'd see Loretta, and within three minutes of the conversation, she'd flex like that. Y'all remember her doing that? She'd, she'd, I'm, and she'd slap, slap her arm. I'm tough, she'd say. She'd talk real country. I'm tough. So one day we got talking about, you just have to know her, and I, I see it in their family all the time. They've all got that same sense of humor. And we were standing in the Walmart parking lot talking, and she raised a bunch of mean boys. And so we started talking about kids and some of the dumb stuff they do. And if, if you don't let your kids say this, just tell them I'm quoting a story. But I told her, I said, you know what's wrong, Loretta, with some of these kids? They need a good whooping. She said, well, yeah, they do. She said, but I don't know why they just keep on hitting them in the butt. It ain't fixing nothing. I said, I said, what do you mean? She said, well, they ought to be knocking them upside the head. That's where the stupidity's coming from. I do not endorse this message. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying I, I've, I've been praying for some folks to get over silly for a long time. There's a lot of folks that need to get weary and... Well, Bishop says it like I want to. They need to get weary and stupid. But they don't. Let me, let me tell you what happens. When you're doing things the way the devil wants you to do things... You don't really get weary. Because you always get people that come along to encourage you. Misery loves company. And there's tricks that he plays that even when you're exhausted, you don't realize you are. Because he'll send you a comforter that makes you believe when you're down to your bottom dollar, he'll send somebody along that's got just enough money to get you another hit. Come on. He'll send somebody that's got enough to buy you another drink and then tomorrow... Well, see, I came to preach up in here this morning. I don't think, I, when, when you're not doing right, there's really not a lot of weariness that comes to you because you're able to suppress that and just kind of keep it down. And, and once you cross over, it's like this crazy hopelessness. And that's why there's so much suicide and so much chaos and crazy things that are happening in this world. It's truly a spirit that you're fighting up against. It's a spirit of deception that you, you feel like it's all well when it's not well. And then when it's not well, you feel like it'll never be well again. But let me tell you who really fights weariness. It's people that are doing their best to do right. You get weary of fighting your flesh when you used to give in and capitulate to every wind that would blow and you'd feel the need to go uh, do whatever it is you're addicted to. You feel the need to go do that. So you give into it and thus...
the weight's lifted off your shoulders. But when you're trying to live for God and your body is telling you, you need to do this and you need to do that. And you're wrestling in your mind and you're laying there in bed at night and you're wrestling with it. And you're like, ah, I, I really, I don't know if it's really worth it to live for God. I don't know if it's really worth it to keep on trying. I don't know if it's really worth it to just, hey, I feel like telling you this morning, you need to lean in to the promise of God. If God said it, it's going to be worth it. I've come to preach to somebody that's weary. Pastor, ever since I started living for God, it's like hell is broke loose in every direction. That's right. But don't you be weary in well-doing. You're going to find out when you try to live for God that there's going to be haters and there's going to be despisers and there's going to be people that talk about you and there's going to be people that turn on you. You know what God is really revealing to you? They weren't really your friend. If they don't want you serving God, they weren't your friend. They wanted what you offered them when you were in the world. It's time to get excited about what God is doing. Somebody's going to have to get it in your heart. Whatever I have to forsake and whatever I have to lose it is worth it to live for God if you believe that shout yes now when we're waiting on the spirit to work can I just speak to you about me I, I can't speak for any of you well I, I mean I probably could but it's not the right thing to do I just want to tell you sometimes I struggle with patience Well then, if God's going to do it, why isn't it done? Woo! Okay, let's just do it. Does anybody in here have trouble waiting? God bless these honest people and forgive the liars. (laughs) Folks, listen. I'm not going to tell you which one it is, but I have a daughter. line the other night I was in the car brother Gray I'm in the driver's seat put it in reverse and my wife goes oh stop like what we're going to be late she says she's not in here like where is she and when she comes out of the house and gets in the car of course her mother starts in the front seat we're going to be late because of you We're all sitting out here waiting on you. And she goes, gosh, mom, I didn't even know you guys had walked out. I'm like, so who are you texting? I spend my life. I spend my life waiting on girls. It's not bad. I'm grateful for it. But the Lord was trying to give me patience and he gave me an overdose. I said, God, give me patience and give it to me right now. I need patience and I I need it right now. I need some patience. God, I need it. Listen, I love waiting on my baby. I'm, I'm not just saying I love my girls. I thank God for it. That's not a big deal because someday I won't get to wait on them anymore. They're going to leave and some dude's going to have to wait on them. And I'm polishing the bullet for him right now. <laughs> getting it ready I want you to listen to me waiting on your family is one thing waiting on God is something else when you're waiting on God it's easy to get testy in your patience it's easy to call in a Hagar when you've got a Sarah that's saying well I don't guess God's ever going to do it man I don't have time to preach the whole story but Sarah got impatient. She said, it's too late for God to work. Why don't you just take Hagar and let God fulfill a promise that way? Church, I don't have time to stay here, so you're going to have to hear it while I'm hitting this right now. I want to tell you, you've got to do it God's way. You've got to, if God's going to fulfill his promise, you've got to do it God's way. You cannot bring in a substitute to fulfill the promise of God. Hagar is never going to fulfill the promise of God. You've got to wait own the Lord. But 
but pastor time's running out Sarah's old I'm getting old there's no way God can do it now he's the author and he is the finisher of your faith you let God tell you when it's too late you let God tell you when it's over if the Lord said I'm going to give you a promised seed Abraham it's coming Somebody shout, wait on the Lord. We got to learn to wait on the Spirit. We got to learn to wait on the Holy Ghost to move. It's tough, man. I've prayed for people for a long time. That's just like, it it doesn't move. And I'm going to tell you why it's so hard to wait on the Spirit. Because when we're waiting on the Spirit to work, there's usually flesh involved on the other end of the answer. Come on now. God, why aren't you saving my wife? God, why aren't you saving my kids? Why aren't you saving my, my, my spouse? Why, God, why, 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 why? Why aren't you doing it? Why haven't I seen an answer yet? You don't know what God's been doing. Man, I, f- I feel something in here this morning. Somebody needs, God, why haven't you saved them yet? Listen, their flesh is going to have to submit. But you don't know the nights that God's given them dreams that they don't want to tell you about. You don't know the way that God's been speaking to them when they haven't said a word to you. You don't know how many nights they've tossed. God, I've been praying for my babies and they haven't come back home yet. Listen to me. God's doing a work. You've just got to trust God that when you can't see the answer, God's going to do it. I want you to be encouraged this morning. You don't know what God's been doing. feel faith trying to work in this room this morning. Simeon, don't get impatient. While you're waiting on the Lord, you just don't know it. But angels have been having conversations with virgins. You just don't know what God's doing. Simeon was not there when Gabriel appeared to Mary. He did not know that heaven was having conversations on earth. You do not know what God's been speaking to your kids. You don't know what God's been speaking to your family. You don't know what God's been speaking to that drug addict. Go ahead and let God work and lean in. I don't understand why my spouse won't come to church with me. You just keep on waiting. Keep on praying. Don't you get weary in well-doing, sweetheart. Oh, God, I want somebody to be encouraged today. Don't you get weary in well-doing. Why, Pastor? Because the Word said that in due season. In due season. I feel like preaching that in due season. You are going to reap if you will not faint. When is due season? I don't know. I really don't. And and due season's tough for me sometimes. Because I've got promises that God's given me about this church and this city that I haven't seen yet. But I want you to know and I want the devil to know today, I ain't packing my bags. I just feel like giving up sometimes, Pastor. I, I just feel, listen, 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 listen. If the devil can get you to give up and quit coming to the house of God and quit getting in your prayer closet and quit fasting every week, he's already won the battle. And it doesn't matter then what God does for the people that you've been praying for. Stay faithful. Keep fighting. Keep leaning in. Keep praying. You know what? I made up my mind a long time ago. I want my answered prayers to know where to find me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When my prayers get answered, I want them to know where to find me. The people that I've been praying for, they don't have to wonder where I'm at on Sunday morning.
morning. They don't have to wonder where I'm at on Sunday night. They don't have to wonder where I'm at on Wednesday night. When God saves that backslider, they're going to walk in the door and I'll be waiting on my promise. Woo, come on, somebody worship the Lord. Simeon was getting old while he was waiting. But while he was waiting, God was working. Ooh, Lord, if you don't hear anything else I preach, I want you to get that down deep in your spirit. I said, while he was waiting, God was working. I wish you'd just lift your hand in the air right now and say, God, while I'm waiting. <laughs> I know, God, while I'm waiting, you're working. Woo! Hallelujah. So I want you to imagine this white-headed, wise and fellow working his way down the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem. People in the market are calling him by his name. Hey, Simeon, 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 hey. He just nods his head and waves and keeps on moving, doesn't stop. Neighbors greet him and he returns a greeting but without a pause. His friends chat on the street corner that he usually stops and says hello to, but today, <laughs> today he's on a mission. He's got a place to be and no time to lose. He's got a word in his spirit. In just a few short verses, 3 to be exact, 25, 26, and 27 of Luke, the second chapter. In three short verses, the scripture tells us three times about his encounters with the Holy Ghost. Verse 25 said that he was waiting for the consolation and the Holy Ghost was on him. 26 said, that it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost what was coming. And verse 27 said that the Spirit came on him and led him to the temple. I want to tell you if I've ever found value in being led by the Spirit of God, I find it now. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. I want the Spirit to be on me. I want the Spirit to be in me. I want the Spirit to be in front of me. I want God to be leading me. I'm telling you today, we need to be led by the Spirit. He allowed the Holy Ghost to work in his life. The Spirit of God was on him and revealed a specific purpose for him. Can you imagine living your whole life just knowing the whole reason that, I, that I've existed is to see Jesus face to face. In the ultimate picture of things, I don't know if you've seen these guys that do it. They'll like sit down at a table and say, this is the fact, change my mind. I don't know if you've seen people do that. Someone will give you a fact, change my mind. Joseph's primary purpose, as in Mary's husband, his primary purpose in life, period, was to give Jesus a name. Name me one other spiritual thing that Joseph did. All the rest of it was stuff he had to decide in his flesh. He wasn't going to put her away. He wasn't going to be embarrassed. He was going to live with it. He had a purpose in life, and that was to give Jesus a name. It was to say things the way heaven was saying things. Understand the value of what God was doing in Simeon. God was using Simeon as a man who had influence among his peers. He had to have integrity. He had to have influence. Because when Simeon said, I've heard from the Lord, people had to be able to believe him. Oh my. He didn't get a business card and write profit on it so people would believe he was a prophet. I'll wait till y'all stop dancing before I move on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He didn't have profit on his Facebook status for people to know. He was a prophet. Let me tell you what he did. He lived in such a way that he had integrity. And when he said, I heard from the Lord, people believed it. 
It is a book of Acts principle. It's not enough to just have favor with God. Because I believe God speaks to people that have bad attitudes. God speaks to people that have bad spirits. But whenever you open your mouth to tell people what you've heard from the Lord, they can't receive the word of the Lord if your vessel's been corrupted. Simeon's got to have integrity. And he's got to have influence with the people. Because the climactic moment in his life that he has waited for. He didn't know it. But it was coming eight days after the answer was birthed. Well, wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think that if he had that prophetic anointing on him and God was waiting for Simeon to reveal the process, why didn't the Lord lead Simeon to Bethlehem? Oh, man, I could preach this all day. I wish I had time to preach this. I really want to. Listen, there were things that had to come into alignment. People don't like this kind of preaching, but it's fact. There were things that had to come into alignment in the earth for the will of God to be fulfilled. What do you mean, Pastor? It was on the eighth day of of Jesus' life. Now, this is so complex. But if Mary decides she's going to be selfish and doesn't want to walk in what God has called her to walk in, she says, no, I'm not going to let my child be what God's called him to be. Now, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. God has a purpose, so it's going to happen anyway. Peter tried to keep him from going to the cross, and he called him Satan. But follow the logic of what I'm saying. If on the eighth day of his life, Mary wakes up and says, you know what, the law don't matter anymore. Lord, I'm telling you, I would love to just preach this for about an hour right here. I have no respect for people that get behind their pulpits and say things don't matter anymore that used to matter. You do understand what I'm saying to you right now. If Mary decides that the eighth day law of Exodus doesn't matter anymore to her family, then Simeon can be led by the Spirit to go to the house of God. But when he gets there because of somebody else's disobedience, the consolation's not there. Why doesn't God lead him to the stable? Because God needs Mary in alignment. And God needs Joseph in alignment. Well, pastor, if you'll just get the vision, then we'll have revival. No, don't you dare miss this. Simeon's not the only one that needs to hear from God. We need some Marys and Josephs and saints. That'll. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to show up at the temple when I'm supposed to be there. If the consolation is going to be known, it's going to be because we're all faithful. My, my, my. Am I making any sense? It's 11.43 and I'm trying to get you out of here. (laughs) We got a a pastor that listens to the Lord. Boy, I'm trying. Do you know why I try to listen to the Lord and tell you what the Lord's saying? Because I need you to hear from God. When Mary and Joseph decide that what they know to be truth doesn't matter anymore. Then Simeon's left hanging without the fulfillment of the word of God in his life. I can't preach this enough to you to get it in. I'm not saying this to be ugly. I'm telling you for a fact. You can't make enough money to work enough overtime to to be happier than you would be if you were doing the will of God. Keep the same car. Don't raise your payment. And work a job that will keep you in the house of God. Whatever you got to do to be there. Simeon is on his way. Joseph, get your family to the house of the Lord. That joker's waiting to die. I hope ain't nobody coming here feeling that way this morning. He said, Lord, I can't die until I see it. I can't die until I see the consolation. But I want you to understand. 
that when God is prompting things in the Holy Ghost, it's because somebody else is obeying. Is there a biblical precedent for that, Pastor? Is this the only thing? Ask Stephen if it's not worth it to be spent while Paul is standing there watching them stone him to death. And he said, Lord, don't you lay this to their charge. Because while he's obeying God and he's being persecuted, Saul's standing over here saying, oh, my word. If Stephen doesn't keep preaching until he gets persecuted, then Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, none of it's written. What are you saying? We've all got to come into alignment. And what God says for you, you've got to lean into it. And what God says to your family, you've got to lean into it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying to a close. I'm skipping way down here to the end. But I, I want to tell you, this is probably not popular, okay? But I'm going to tell you, there's people that drive by this church every single day. That in their hearts, they believe what we're preaching in this church. But they won't walk through the doors because of pride. They came to this church when they were kids. Families were in this church. Their backslid, far gone. Uh, Sister Cook brought pictures this morning. I was showing Brother Caleb before church started. The picture of my mother, my grandmother, Sister Ellsworth, Sister Guinevere Smith, and Sister Angie Jordan. And I was explaining to Brother Caleb in 1929 when the young couple came up here from Medora, Indiana after Holy Ghost outpouring. That Sister Angie Jordan was 17 years old and traveled with them up here. All the Lord told that man, he wasn't even a preacher. And the Lord told him, if you'll go to Anderson, there will be disciples that will, that will receive this Holy Ghost truth. And in 1929, Angie Jordan came with that couple of 17 years old to this city, started a home Bible study group. And within weeks and months, it became a large enough group they couldn't stay in a living room. So that that group got together and hand dug a basement church building at 19th and Lincoln. Do you not think there's been an impact in this city since 1929? Sister Guinevere Smith was sitting in that picture. She was one of the last living people I knew, and I was blessed to pastor her in this church that was baptized by G.T. Haywood. I'm talking about roots in this church. I could start naming names that some of you grew up with in this church, and they drive by this church, and you mark it down. When they drive by this church, memories flood their mind. Now, they may not like it if they hear me say this, but I'm going to tell you how your pastor prays. I pray, God, every time they think about it, let, their, let them be miserable. Make their bed a bed of stones where they can't sleep. Give them dreams about the rapture of the church. God, give them dreams about eternity. Give them dreams, Lord, about the sounding of the trumpet. I want them to come into alignment with the vision that God has given us. I'm just saying for me, Bishop, I wonder sometimes if God's been trying to answer something for me and Simeon's been standing there with his arms crossed saying, well, I guess I miss God. Because I'm over here saying, I just, I don't know. I know they said the eighth day is when we're supposed to take him. I mean, would they really? I'm tired because we had to come from Bethlehem. I mean, you think God would really matter if, if we went on the ninth day, if we just... If we just rested one more day, but consolation and answer are on their way to the house of God at the same time. Church, we've got to get into alignment. Whatever you do, whatever you do, don't be lost. Whatever you do, can I preach that in here this morning? What does it profit a man if he gains a whole world? What does it profit you if you gain more than you've ever had, but you lose your soul? Simeon was patient. He was waiting. But it's more than just waiting. 
This word that I read to you this morning, that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, it's more than just saying, like, I'm just standing around. He wasn't standing around demanding that God fulfill the word. I've been there. I ain't going to lie. But God, you said. Is that too real this morning? I know, I know some of you think Pastor floats six inches off the ground, speaks in tongues all day. But I'm going to tell you, I bleed when you cut me. I'm a man. And I've heard the word of the Lord come to me in the night. I've heard the word of the Lord come to me in the wee hours of the morning. And then when God's not fulfilling it, I'm like, but you said. But when the scripture said that Simeon was waiting on the consolation of Israel... I want, I want to explain to you what he was doing. Now, for three minutes, maybe two, I'm going to make you snoring Greek and dreaming Hebrew, so stay with me. The Greek language, as rich as it is in terms, has a stable full of verbs. And one of the most powerful verbs that you find in the context of what I'm saying to you today is the words to look, that he was waiting and looking towards the consolation of Israel, looking for Now, the term that's used to describe the action that Simeon was doing comes from two words. Are y'all ready for a Greek lesson? Everyone say pros. Dekomai. See, y'all are scholars. The word is pros dekomai. It comes from two words. Dekomai means to wait. But pros is the word that we get For progress or progress forward. It literally means that Simeon is leaning forward in expectation. God gave him a word. And he's not standing around looking at his Apple Watch saying, well, I guess if he don't do it by Sunday, it's over. He is literally leaning in. God said that I would see the consolation. I think I'll lean into that. Let me tell you what doubt does. Doubt makes you lean out. Confusion makes you back away. Woo! Spirits, it caused you to feel depressed because it hadn't happened. That makes you step to the side. But when you're waiting on something, you're leaning into it. God gave me a promise. I'm going to lean into the promise of God. Bible tells us that Simeon was leaning into it. And that's why when the Holy Ghost said, today is the gate, today, go to the temple. I believe that Simeon was already leaning towards the temple. And the Spirit just said, now's the time. And he moved in the direction of the lean. Can I preach this the way I want to? I'm almost done. I'm going to tell you what I believe. Not recorded. Not doctrine. Just what I believe. I don't believe this was the first day that Simeon went to the temple. It may be the first day he was led by the Spirit to go as in it's ready right now. But I believe that every day that Simeon stuck his head in the door. Even if. Even if. He wasn't there for sacrifice. Even if he wasn't there that day to do anything spectacular. I have a feeling that Simeon was within two blocks with a word in his spirit. And he'd say, you know what, I'm this close. I think I'm going to go look today. And he would lean into the temple. He would walk by and just lean in the door. And he'd look at his buddy, the priest, and he'd say, is he here yet? God gave us a promise, mother, that there's a day in the not-so-distant future that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And with the voice of the archangel. Hey, I want to tell you, I still believe this. I still believe that the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. But Bishop, I wish you were preaching this right here. There's a word that messes with me. I, I've done this at every committal that I've done for years. 
Papa just told me, son, do this committal. And I like the committal, so I do it. It's the same one, Memo, that he's done a million times. Uh, the God and his wise providence are taken from this life. Soul of our departed love, right? And I finish with, the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain. And every time I read that, I felt pricked in my heart, Brother Jordan. Alive and remain. Alive and remain. Well, I mean, obviously, if you're alive, then you remain. No, no, no. Because you can be alive and leaning out. But when you remain, you're still leaning in. The Lord said, when I come back again, I'm looking for the leaners. I'm looking for the ones that are leaning into the promise. They wake up every day and look at the eastern sky and say, is this the day? Is today the day? I wonder if today's the day. It's not going to be long before the Spirit moves on that angel and the trumpet's put to his mouth. But every day until then, I'm leaning in. I'm leaning in. I don't know when he's coming, but I know he's coming soon. I'm leaning in. Stand with me. I got to quit. We which are alive and remain shall be called up together. There's something in my heart this morning. When I woke up, I was leaning to heaven. I know Christmas gets chaotic and people have messed it up to be something that probably should have never been. I, I get all that. But listen, let me tell you. Let me tell you why we still talk about it in my house. Okay, I don't like all the pagan stuff. It's crazy. But you know what? All these people get crazy. Do you know Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're all pagan. Do you know that? Now, I'm not saying jump in and do pagan stuff, but don't, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. The reason I want to talk about it is I don't ever want people to forget. I don't care if it was Feast of Tabernacles. I don't care if it came to Passover. I don't care if he came January 1st on the Gregorian calendar. I don't care. I want people to know that he came. And the reason why I want them to know, Brother Mike Miller, that he came the first time is because if they can get it in their heart that he came the first time, we can convince them he's coming again. I want to tell everybody in this world that doesn't live like we live and they don't know what we know. They may live an alternate lifestyle. They may be confused today in their mind. They may have struggles and troubles, but I want you to know he didn't come for the perfect. He came for the broken. God can take your messed up life. He can take your addictions. He can take the things that have you broken. Just lean into the promise this morning. I know some may have told you you're never going to amount to anything. But I'm here to tell you, as we get closer to Christmas, I'm here to preach this morning. He came for you. Brother St. Clair, I'm not perfect. Good. He came for you. I still got addictions in my life, Pastor. I'm addicted to drugs or nicotine or whatever. You just fill in the blank. I'm addicted. He came for you. The devil would tell you today to leave here because you're not perfect enough. This is not the church for you because you still have issues. Well, the devil's a liar and the truth is not in it. I still have addictions. I've I've been coming, but but it hasn't changed. Listen, it's that war of the flesh I was talking about. You got to be willing to lay that stuff down. And sometimes the only way to do that is to just lean in to deliverance. I tried one time, Pastor, for three days, and on the fourth day I collapsed. Good, that's okay. Welcome to the club. What you need to do is, on the fifth day, just keep going. I'm talking about celebrate every single day. This is not sloppy agape. I'm not saying stay happy in your sin. I'm saying lean into your deliverance instead of discouragement, making you lean out because you messed up. Lean in. I still believe God delivers. 
And I believe he can do it right here and right now. Right now. God, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I could have just kept preaching this through about the coming of the Lord. But I got to get you ready for that day. I got to get you ready to lean in. Listen, if you haven't repented of your sins. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of those sins. If you haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's the only way to lean in. You got to lean in in obedience to the Word of God. If you're here today and you got struggles in your life that you just hadn't quite been able to overcome, I want you to forget about who's watching you right now. Nobody's paying attention. I'm telling you, don't, don't you let that keep you. If you got struggles in your life today and you need the Lord to deliver you and you need strength, would you just get brave enough right now to come to the front of this church? say Lord I'm stepping out by faith right now and I believe in God that me and you can do this together I may have been born into a family that was full of alcoholics but I'm not going to die an alcoholic come on Jesus is in this room right now thank you Jesus oh There's deliverance in this room. Come on, we got just a few minutes right here. I'm not trying to rush anything. The doors are open right now. The altar's open right now. If you need deliverance in your life, maybe your back's against the wall and you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Just lean in anyway. Just serve God and let let the rest of it fall in place. Pastor St. Clair, I don't know how it's going to work. That's okay. We don't have answers to a lot of things. So let's just lean into what we know today. God is able. Sweet Holy Ghost. Oh, I feel him in here right now. I'm telling you, I feel the Lord in here. Jesus. Come on, please. I'm pleading with you today. I'm pleading with you today. Give God a chance. Give God a chance. I just wonder if discouragement ever came to Simeon when he would stop by the temple and stick his head in the door and say, Is he here? They say, No, not today. And he had that conversation from the door of the house of the Lord all the way home. God, I wonder when it's going to happen. But on that one morning, he was leaned in the direction. And the Spirit of the Lord said, go now, go now, go now. The answer just walked in the door, go now. And when he walked in, the Bible said he looked over. There was this beautiful baby and a mother and a father. And he walked over Bishop. He just grabbed the baby. Picked him up and he blessed God ever picked up on that he picked up the baby and blessed God I have seen your salvation now I can draw my feet up in the bed and be at rest there's deliverance for somebody here today there's healing for somebody here today thank you Jesus one more time church lift our hearts towards Jesus come on we'll get you out of here in a minute but there's some seeking people right now I don't want to draw attention but there's people that are hurting and seeking God right now come on